This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 828, Flashback, Spider-Man Web Spinners. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 828. Wow, cannot believe it's that high a number. Um, today is a really quick episode. It's going to be a few minutes. I just wanted to opine about uh, a book that from the uh, the old days. And when I say the old days, I mean the old days when I was first reading comics in the uh, late 90s. Um, specifically a book uh, known as uh, Web, Web Spinner's Tales of Spider-Man. Um, I still remember... There's a whole kind of period. If I close my eyes, I can just remember the uh, the house ads at the time. Um, I used to pick up uh, Marvel Vision magazine. I think they used to have house ads in there as well. And it was just a specific kind of post um, post Ben Riley period, but prior to JMS coming in, kind of kind of revolutionary revolutionizing the. Uh, Spider-Man books at that point, I'm really kind of giving them a, a real kick in the pants, um, which pushed them into a, a fun direction. Uh, so you had, you know, in 98, you had the relaunch of uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker Spider-Man, and then uh, you had the, this Web Spinners book, which was uh, cover dated uh, the first issue, January 99, um, and it told, told stories from different points in continuity, um, you know, and it's not that dissimilar from Tangled Web, which would come later, but Tangled Web had a bit of a different purview, is that it was not always directly Spider-Man related. I mean, it's obviously there, but, um, you know, they weren't necessarily, you know, built into Spider-Man's continuity, um, whereas Web Spinners was. And so a few years ago, I'm trying to remember what year, um, they put Web Spinners into a complete collection, which I don't think I bought right away. I think I kind of hemmed and hawed and wasn't sure about it. Um, until I eventually did pick it up. Uh, let's see, the first printing of Web Spinners, the complete collection, is from 2017. So I would, that's the year I turned 30. Wait, that's not right. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm not that young. It's the year I turned 34. Apparently I don't know how to do math. Um, so, so I was, you know, 34 years old, picking this up. It's interesting kind of looking at, uh, it's got this beautiful cover uh, by J.G. Jones on the cover. Um but then you have I. And this is what I like to see of the more modern books is that when you open up the first page in the inside uh, cover, uh, to the first uh, to sorry to the collection you have uh, Marvel Collected Editions available in print or digital wherever books are sold, and the books listed here are epic collections, which makes sense. Uh, you know, this is a Spider-Man anthology title that's being put into you know, a nice complete collection. But it's nice to see. You know, as they progress and they have more and more of these books in complete collections that they can just advertise having them here, it's interesting to see the, how far they had gone and the ones that end up getting, end up getting advertised here. As you have uh, the first two volumes, which are Great Power and Great Responsibility, and then they jump right to, I want to say, what, volume seven or eight? I can't even remember, but The Goblin's Last Stand. So you move from the end of the Steve Dicko era era to Gwen Stacy dying uh, and then all the way forward from there to Ghost of the Past which is uh, you know Spider-Man beating up Fire Lord by Ron Friends and uh, Tom DeFalco then you go to Craven's Last Town and the back cover and the interior back cover uh, Cosmic Adventures and then you have an, action, an actual kind of interesting stretch that they put Cosmic Adventures and then they have 
Uh, so Return of the Sinister Six and Round Robin. So the last three are at least in a row. Um, and at the time, they didn't have as many kind of sequential books as either. Um, anyways, I just wanted to kind of talk about this book. Um, I, I didn't really buy a lot of the issues when they were first coming out, but I remember, I'm pretty sure when I was, I'm trying to think, a year, I remember seeing these, maybe not even in a comic store, I think I saw these on the newsstand. Um, just like looking at the covers, I can remember seeing the, I think I can remember seeing the UPC and it just, they always kind of looked, I don't know, from, from a different era. Um, and you know, the first three issues specifically, I like, had a very kind of different, um, art style to them. Um, uh, there is a, a variant cover to the first issue that is really good. Um, there is a story, uh, you know what, I, I'm flipping through this here and I don't even remember where else it has ever been published, um, the story called The Kiss. Um, it's maybe not even showing me exactly where it comes here, but basically it's all about uh, Peter and Gwen. And um, I guess, it, is this the right before they died? Yeah. This is, so I think this was later reprinted in the Spider-Man Death of Gwen Stacy trade, which, to be honest, I, don't, I think I've kept it and haven't uh, gotten rid of it because I didn't want to lose that story. And I don't even think I realized it was in a web spinner's book. I think I think I thought it was maybe in like an annual or something. And by the looks of it, it looks like it was in what issue? I want to say three of web spinners, which is such a weird, bizarre, like what? <laughs> this 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 book out of nowhere um, has one of the most beautiful kind of backup stories ever. Um, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. The idea of this of anthology was that it would kind of have Spider-Man stories set anywhere in his career. Um, well, this specific one, the uh, the kiss that I just was mentioning, is by uh, JMD, John Mark DeMattis, and John Romita Sr. So I don't think you can find a more perfect kind of person to do a story about Gwen Stacy uh, than John Romita Jr. Uh, sorry, Sr., I should say. Um, yeah, so... Let me let me move forward. It was that so this uh, looks like that might have been a backup in issue three, or they just put it at the end of the first three issues because sometimes they mess around with that kind of stuff. Um, so you have you know this the, the first arc is all about Mysterio, um, you know, and again it was not in kind of current continuity at the time. Um, I, I, I Mysterio is an interesting one. I feel like the stories either really work or they really don't. I'm currently reading to my son. Um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I think one like one thirty-eight or something, um, and I think right around issue one forty because we just did this Grizzly story uh, with the Jackal, and now we're moving on to a story with Mysterio. And you know, Mysterio is probably not my favorite villain. Um, I feel like he either works or he really doesn't. Um, the first, I guess, three issues of this book have a story by let's see, JMD and Michael Zuli. Um, Zuli has a very different art style than what you're used to seeing with Spider-Man. Um, but I think it does end up being able to, his, his portrayal of Spider-Man feels very Ditko-esque, uh, very kind of creepy, definitely not the kind of over the top, not over the top, but not the kind of heroic Spider-Man that we're maybe used to seeing, um, which I think makes him kind of the, the, be- a very unique and good fit for something like this, where you want a, a different style. Um, something that maybe is not as typical um, or you know heroic. Uh, this is you know it's a it's a fun mysterious story. Um, again, the artwork is probably more the not more the draw because JMD always does good stories. Um, but you know it's 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 not maybe not the most standout mysterious story, but still enjoyable. Um, then in issue four, you have Eric Stevenson writing it with Keith Giffen, 
that's right, Keith Giffen on pencils. Um, and it's it's what set shortly after the events chronicled in Silver Surfer Volume One, Number Eighteen. So this is definitely jumping way back in time. And it's a Silver Surfer story, and uh, Silver Surfer goes wild. Only Spidey can stop him. Um, I would say that the art is very loose, um, and at times is one maybe a little bit too lacking in details, a little bit too um, loose and gentle. Uh, I, I think I would have preferred a little bit more of a you know, a, a firmer uh, style on in the inks. Um, I thought it was a little, little loose at times. Not my favorite uh, story. I'm not a huge fan of Silver Surfer. I mean, I, I will sometimes enjoy the character, but, um, you know, it's not always maybe my, my cup of tea. Um, and it's, what, like a three-parter here. Um, although you have Andy Smith doing the art on... Um, on the sixth issue here. Um, so I guess Keith Giffen was done and the, the, uh, the, you know, kind of moved on. And then we have issue seven, the senior prom is just around the corner, but so is the sinister Sandman. This is the one I remember seeing on the newsstand a lot as well. Um, and they do some kind of cool stuff here. Uh, I really like kind of old school stories. This is a, as they say, a reminiscence in three parts starring Peter Parker, a.k.a. The Amazing Spider-Man by Joe Kelly, Bart Sears, and Andy Smith. This is very early Bart Sears, um, very kind of stylized, but uh, this is before he would go over to CrossGen and really, uh, I think, let himself loose in terms of what his, you know, capabilities are. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fun kind of retro story. Uh, I always kind of like to see the high school gang, um... You know, I, I do feel like Sandman stories often kind of lean into the idea that you know something he thinks something's wrong with him, he's falling apart, and he's becoming more monstrous and has to kind of fight Spider-Man as a result. I feel like we get that story beat a lot, and I feel like it happened a lot in the kind of late '90s, early 2000s. Um, but uh, this is you know a fun and enjoyable story with some some great art uh, as well. Um, yeah, and again, I, I like the kind of the prom setting it was it was a lot of fun and. Uh, I liked how Flash was written. It was kind of nice to get this old school version of the Flash. Uh, then we move on to issue what, ten, uh, and then we have um, a great a great series of stories with Chameleon. Uh, this time by Paul Jenkins, um, and it's kind of it's definitely kind of a sad and creepy story uh, by Paul Jenkins and Sean Phillips of all people. Uh, Phillips does just a beautiful job with it. Um, it's a lot very more much more introspective. Um, about these, you know, about Spider-Man, about uh, the chameleon, who the chameleon is. I mean, the chameleon went through kind of a weird period. You got to remember that, you know, he went through a weird period with uh, JMD writing him before the next chapter. So this would have been not that far removed from this story, um, where he got you know beaten up by by MJ with a baseball bat. Um, things had not gone well for for chameleon, and so here it's an interesting kind of you know um, discussion on the character. And at the end, he kind of, you know, tells Peter he loves him. Um, it doesn't really go well because Peter just kind of laughs. And then, uh, you know, Chameleon just kind of, you know, tech, you know, looks like he kills himself. Um, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's it's very well done. It's, yeah, no, I, I really, really like the story. And obviously the Chameleon will end up coming back. But it's haunting. Uh, it's kind of sad. And that leads into issue 12, which is... Uh, a kind of a, a rumination, I'd say, on on death, and it's you know pulls right off from the issue before it, and um, it's again by Paul Jenkins this time with JG Jones. So man, he's really you know getting a lot of you know great artists 
to uh, to assist Paul Jenkins, and it's such a it's a beautifully illustrated story, um, kind of a series of bad dreams that Peter's had because of the people who've died in his in his um, in his life, and uh, kind of reliving some of the, these horrible moments. And uh, there's I, again a, a shot of Peter Parker uh, cradling uh, Gwen, Stacy, Gwen Stacy after she dies, which was then later repurposed for the cover of the uh, the trade of death of the I think it was just the death of Gwen Stacy. I don't think that was used for the death of the Stacy's book. Um, but yeah, no, JG uh, Jones just kills it. Beautiful art, really strong story by Jenkins, which is not surprising. Um, at the at the very end of this kind of dreamscape, you have uh, Peter kind of just kind of on his knees and Gwen kind of shows up and, and just holds him, holds him and tells him it's time for him to go. And he doesn't want to, he wants to stay with her. And she's like, well, things aren't real. You have to go where you're supposed to be. You know, I know it's a big mess, but this is what what's happened. Um, and he's like, I don't want that. It's too much. I lost you better to have loved and lost. Sweet pea better to have loved and lost. Peter just asks Gwen, why can't I stay with you? Gwen? And she just says, you're sleeping. You have to wake up now. And then he wakes up. And uh, I mean, it's like, were you having a bad dream? And he's just like, no. And uh, it's a very, very strong story. Very. And then you go from that, this wonderful kind of rumination on loss and guilt, right after, a, again, a really introspective issue about the chameleon. You go right from that into um, a book that is ill-conceived at best, um, which is Spider-Man wearing his Spider-Man Unlimited costume. Uh, that's right. No one asked for that. Um, the short-lived animated series Spider-Man Unlimited, he gets that costume in this story. As uh, You have Blastar, you have, finally, the real Dusk, because uh, we had previously seen or kind of heard of Dusk, and I think, did we really see Dusk? I don't know, I can't even remember. Um, in the original kind of uh, lead-up to Identity Crisis, which would, again, would have been only a couple years before this, um, you know, you got Howard Mackey writing it, you got, uh, uh, let's see... Well, that's interesting. I'm not even sure who did any work on this, because you look at the cover, and it says it's by Mackie, Weeks, and Campanella. And then you open it up, and it's credited to Howard Mackie and Graham Nolan, uh, which is not Lee Weeks, with Scott Kobush on it. So I'm curious which one is actually right here, because obviously someone made a mistake. I would imagine that the cover is probably where it's wrong. Uh, it does tie into, at this time, a recent issue of uh, spectac- uh, sorry, Peter Parker Spider-Man, where uh, Cletus Cassidy kind of lost it, dressed himself up in red paint because he'd lost the Carnage symbiote. Anyways, you have this whole kind of weird story where um, you know Cletus ends up getting bonded to something different uh, in the, what, the negative zone, so he becomes Carnage again. you got Blastar. You got this, you know, this uh, heroic character named Dusk. It's just such a hot mess. Uh, you move from there to uh, Story of the Vulture uh, in issue number 15. And in this one, you have uh, Rurik Tyler writing and penciling with Bud LaRosa on inks, John Callis on colors, um, which I kind of like that, you know, it feels like more of a, I don't know that that uh, writer uh, artist, but it feels like just kind of a, a tryout. And uh, it's not a bad little Vulture story. Um, it's a, it's a two-parter, um, which is interesting that you kind of have an anthology book like this where you're having kind of top flight talent that everyone would kind of know who they are. And then you're also having some stuff where we don't know them. So we have kind of a, you know, again, something a little bit more unknown. And then in issue 17, uh, you go into a story I really enjoy, uh, by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends with Bob McLeod and Art. And this is a kind of a retro tale uh, with Spider-Man in, because uh, he's wearing his red and blues here, but on the cover he's in his black, uh, and he's partnered up with um, 
Well, I guess, no, he does wear his black one here. I guess it's cloth at this point. Uh, and he teams up with Silver Surfer, yeah, Silver Sable. Uh, the series starts with Silver Surfer. At the end, he's with Silver Sable. Uh, and Sandman, and they end up going up against the uh, Sinister Syndicate. I always love seeing these characters together. Um, so I think it's really, really interesting to kind of see uh, Tom and Ron being able to do more with these characters. Really enjoyed it. Very classic art. Uh, you know, just a, a fun story to see. And it's just such a joy to read anything by those guys and to kind of go back to, you know, feeling comics the way they used to feel. Um, again, very retro. So you have a, what, a two-parter here in 17 and 18. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting collection, this book. Um, I'm curious because I don't know where the stories are. I, I have this uh, a, a copy of it where part of the cover blurb is uh, covered up. So I know that it covers issues 1 to 18, and it also looks like it's Shadows and Lights 2 to 3. But I don't even know exactly was what was being pulled from that. Uh, maybe that that's where that, that the Kiss story is coming from, but I don't believe so. Uh, so that's the only one I'm really confused on. Uh, but this was fun. You know, it it just goes through Spider-Man's history. Um, the most recent one up until this time was the story with uh, the Spider-Man Unlimited kind of uh, costume, as well as uh, Cletus Cassidy uh, getting a new Carnage symbiote, or a new symbiote to become known as Carnage. Um, you know, that would have been the most modern at the time. And then you have stories about, you know, prom days at uh, for Peter, as well as, you know, the... Uh, DeFalco Franz, sorry, Franz, Friends era. So uh, a nice kind of mixture. Um, I really like it. It's a it's a fun collection. It's a little bit wonky at times, but I kind of like that in my uh, collections. I like having an anthology like this. And uh, you got some an interesting mix of creators, uh, both artistic and uh, in terms of writers, um, but overall a lot of fun. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Comic Shenanigans podcast. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Our next episode, uh, well, next non-reviews episode, which would be episode uh, 830, will be another conversation with Michael Lark. This time we'll talk a lot more about uh, kind of the, the genesis of Lazarus, working on Lazarus. Um, we don't really get into like, story, story spoilers. We just kind of talk about working on that book in general. And we uh, we jump in on, on a few different areas. So um, make sure to check out that episode. I had a great time talking to Michael. Um, he is such a, a very generous human being in terms of his time. And it was really great being able to chat with him about his career and uh, working on uh, a creator-owned book and how that's kind of changed him in terms of what he wants to work on in the future. Um, so you'll have to check out that episode in just a couple of days. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, thanks for joining me for this episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>